1: Publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome
0: to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief for WFIU and WTIU. And this week we're going to be talking about fitness and uh, being active and good nutrition and just basic wellness as The weather starts to get warmer, and we have more opportunities to get outside. So we have four guests with us in the studio. Allison Miller is here. She's with the Active Living Coalition and the City of Bloomington. Robin Parker is Community Health Clinical Manager, IU Health Bloomington. Michelle Miller is a professor at the Indiana University School of Public Health. And Margie Kobo is Healthy Hearts and Active Lives Program Director at the Monroe County ymca if you want to join us on the program give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 and you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition and we're not going to waste any time today we're going to go right to the phones because somebody has called already kim from green county go ahead ken sorry ken
2: hello this The question is really for IU Health, but maybe somebody else can possibly answer it, and this has to do with the wellness clinics that they sponsor periodically in different places like Twin Lakes. Why do they refuse to do an A1C on someone that is already diagnosed as diabetic?
3: Ken, mine this is robin i'm one of the dietitians um with iu health and i can answer that whenever we know you have diabetes and we're checking your a1c that's considered a treatment what we're really trying to do when we're out in the community is screen for pre-diabetes so those folks who don't know they have diabetes, we can get them into that care. So having diabetes, we encourage you to go back to your primary care physician for that management or maybe even consider a referral to our Diabetes Care Center and we'd be glad to help you there.
2: All right. I kid? find that really unfortunate. You know, actually, Sam's Club, bless their hearts, will do an A1C on anyone at any time when they have their uh, wellness clinics. Well um, Ken, I'm really disappointed that IU health won't do it.
0: Well, Ken, they've got opportunities for you to get uh, treatment, and as, as she said, um, as Robin said, it's, a, it's for screening, so thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If uh, you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Well, Robin, since we started out with you, let's let's talk about um, you know that the different kinds of screenings that you have available in the community and where people can, if, if they, you know, haven't been diagnosed with something, but they think they may have a problem. I mean, what kind of things do you screen?
3: Well, within our department, we have, an, um, we have the um, volunteers in medicine. We also have our public health nursing department that goes out and they will choose different areas within the community to do the pre-diabetes screening. And they'll go back again in six months to that area to do the screening as well. And those are, um, determined and targeted by the needs of the community mm-hmm. so um you know always be on the lookout or you can contact us for that information where we're going to be
0: next and can you explain a little bit more about what um ken's question was he asked about a particular kind of test right
3: right that a1c that is um, actually a blood test that can be done that will determine what blood sugars have been running Um, for approximately three months. So it's a nice picture of how you're doing
4: and how well you're controlling your diabetes.
0: Okay, all right. So
4: I have a question that probably Margie, Michelle, and Allison can all here chime in on, but just in my neighborhood, I've seen a lot of folks, now it's getting warmer, they're they're out running the neighborhood, but what's the best way to get started into a program such as running or, or something like the Couch to 5K without hurting
5: yourself?
0: <laughs> Margie, go first. I guess I'll go first.
5: Um, well, it's all about just moving. Um, initially, moving and then um, starting out slow, um, walking, and then adding some jogging in there. And uh, you know, we've ran a running group. Um, well, we primarily call it a running group, but we always give several walkers, um, and then people that are have always walked and have always had a little desire to run Um, and we start them out maybe running or walking three minutes and then we jog for a minute and then we kind of build up from there Um, and do it by minutes and not necessarily by miles because your miles are always going to come along.
0: Mm -hmm. That's Margie Kobo from the Y so... And I know, Michelle, you've, you are, uh, besides your job at IU, you're a personal trainer, too. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. yeah. So I, what, what do you recommend when somebody comes to you and says, oh, my gosh, I need a personal trainer, and they're just, <laughs> they haven't been doing anything. I mean, how do you get them started?
6: Well, first, I congratulate them for being there because mm-hmm. they got off that couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a step. That's a huge step. People need to realize that. Um, <clears throat> and then the second thing is, you know, I think what the personal training field can do for, pe- for people is help them have a plan and um, a lot of times programs or trying to get started and stay started, let's put it that way, um, will falter without some kind of a plan and, and literally a guide. So I kind of see personal trainers, quote unquote, as facilitators. They're gonna help guide you into that mo- movement, um, keep you safe, um, help you think about what next steps can be, um, and then help give you some motivation for that. So all of those things come back to, yes, I want to, I'd like to go run this 5K or whatever it is that you're going to do, but it really comes down to, well, what's the process to get there um, so that they can be successful? So I think we have to think about the whole picture when we do that. So.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. so something I know the Y in particular really works on is getting people who start their New Year's resolutions, they do this big push, but then how do you keep them coming back? Because it seems like this time of the year, I go to the Y regularly and it, it's a lot quieter than it was in January.
5: <laughs> Sure. Um, you know, getting them into programs that they like or, you know, things that they like to do. And, um, you know, when I, even with cardiac rehab participants or WISE participants, which are people that have had cancer, um, you know, going through their orientation process, we set goals, and it's according to what they like to do um, and develop a plan, like Michelle said, from there. Um, and some things are, you know, some goals are just being able to get down on the floor and get back up um, or being able to climb stairs, whatever it might be. It might be really small or something that they haven't been able to do since they were in their um, disease state um, or gone through, you know, surgery or something like that, but um, you know, it, it's always set goals first and then develop a plan from there and do it around things that they like to do because we want them to come back mm-hmm. or we want them to continue and hopefully for a lifelong situation.
0: And that seems to, to, to really blend in yeah. really well with what Allison does. The Active Living Coalition is about getting people to stay active, correct?
7: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, the Active Living Coalition supports those who uh, – live, work, and play here in Monroe County and Bloomington supporting active living here in town. And we actually have a great resource fair coming up on May 21st at the farmer's market, the active living coalition health fair from nine to noon. And there will be lots of vendors from around town who represent uh, different organizations who support healthy living here in Bloomington. And uh, we also on the uh, note of, we are talking about getting active and being outside. uh, The Bloomington Walking Club is also a great resource to support um, walking here in Bloomington. And it's a great social support, emotional support as well. And then you're physically active throughout. So that meets on Thursdays at Alcott Park at six o'clock and it's non-competitive it's not timed or anything we usually walk between um, two to four miles um, so if anyone's interested in that come on out to alcott park shelter thursdays at six o'clock
0: now the active Loving coalition uh, you know i'm familiar with it i'm also familiar with achieve i can't yes. tell you what achieve stands I for can, you, can you okay yeah, yeah go say, ahead yeah <laughs>
7: achieve stands for action communities for health innovation and environmental change
0: okay yes all right now i know that the sort of the mantra of achieve is to you know make the healthy choice the The easy easy choice choice, right yes so could you guys talk about that i mean all all four of you i'm sure have some experience with trying to just help people make choices that make more sense than than uh, what they've been doing
7: Right, yeah, absolutely. So that comes, I think a lot of it has to do with changing the environment around us, um, making it easier to make the right choices. So whether it's, um, you know, a conversation, I work, I'm the health and wellness coordinator for the city of Bloomington and the Parks and Recreation Department as well. So something that, um, you know, we work on is um, working with our vending machine vendor and making sure that healthy choices are available there. So again, making the healthy choice, the easy choice, Um, supporting uh, walking breaks around some of the buildings that we have and, and making sure that um, people feel supported in that and are able and, and want to get out and walk and get away from their desks, even for uh, a couple minutes in an hour. Um, so, creating that supportive environment and, and all the groups that are involved in Achieve um, help in creating that supportive environment for healthy lifestyle choices.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: It seems like we have gotten
4: so much more aware about healthy choices, mm-hmm. but the obesity rate just keeps going up. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that should be happening that way. Where's the disconnect?
3: I can speak to that. Um, <laughs> so as a dietitian, that's definitely a concern that we see. and. Um, I think it's related to the physical activity and the the amount of calories we're consuming. We do a great display for adults and children called portion distortion. I think most of us have heard of that. The actual increase in the portion sizes that we're getting, um, even of healthy foods, excess calories or excess calories if you're not burning those, um, a really easy thing that we use and we promote is the plate method. And using your plate, about a 9 to 10-inch plate, a quarter of a plate should be a protein food, and the rest of your plate should come from the earth, a quarter of a plate holding a portion of food. And that gives you some sort of boundaries as far as what a real portion looks like versus the portions we're getting on a platter when we go to a restaurant or the portion we're getting in a bag when we go through a fast food drive-through. So I usually tell people, if you're not eating on a plate, that's where you start and go from there.
0: Mm-hmm. So besides portion control, there are a lot of things that people can do in, in terms of choices. I mean, substitutions. So just suggest like two or three substitutions that people who maybe have a craving might be able to, to do that would help them.
3: Well, okay. I'm going to start by saying um, deprivation doesn't work. So usually mm-hmm. if you're really craving something, make a plan for it. Make a plan, that's a food you're gonna wanna eat and you know it, so plan for it. Don't wait till you're starving and then you have no control. Um, So that would be my first bit of advice. But there are other nice things you can do. You can, in your cooking, you can use, um, you know, yogurt instead of sour cream. You can, um, one, I had a client once who loved um, chips and salsa. She started doing celery and salsa that helped reduce some of her caloric intake and fat. So there are some different things you can try, um, but you wanna make sure they are foods that you still enjoy. I think when people start eating the shoulds, then they feel deprived. So you want to put a plan in place and not allow yourself to get too hungry, because once that happens, then you know, you're all it's all lost. Yeah. <laughs> and so pre planning is a big part of it. We're encouraging folks to make sure they're getting those fruits and vegetables. So think about the things you should you you want to eat for a healthy body instead of the things you shouldn't be eating.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Our phone numbers are 812-855-0811 and 1-877-285-9348. You can also join live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition.
4: And we had a caller who, unfortunately, I think we, we lost him. But he had a question about the amount of sugar and salt in the American diet. And he was really hoping the panel could comment on that.
3: Well, I can, I can talk to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Dietary Guidelines for Americans is saying less than 10% of your total calories to come from added sugar. Um, that's quite a stretch for most of us because you know added sugars in our beverages, and that's really a target where we're hitting our sugar-sweetened beverages across the life, um, lifeline from children to adults, trying to choose um, beverages that are not so heavily laden with sugar. Um, as far as the exact amount of how much we're consuming each person, I can't give you that information right off the top of my head. As far as sodium goes, our goal is about 2,000, 2,300 milligrams a day of sodium. Most of us, you know, I do assessments every day, and it's not uncommon to do an assessment and evaluate 8 to 9,000 milligrams of sodium a day, and that's just one picture of a day. So it's we are getting a lot of sodium. Um, a teaspoon of salt has 2,300 milligrams. I always tell people to think of that as like dollars. You, you're allowed um, $2,000 of sodium a day and whatever that food label says is the price you're gonna pay.
4: So how do, you, I mean, how do you eat out or, or do anything if you're trying to, the, because a lot of times you don't even know it's in your food. Right, so um,
3: that's when you're careful and make those choices. The planning piece becomes really important. And as Allison mentioned, you set up your environment. So your home environment, your home kitchen, maybe you'll have more of those foods that are lower in sodium, and then whenever you're going out to eat, that's gonna be a more intentional choice. It's not gonna be your environment every day. So when you're going out, there's gonna be foods, there will be some food labeling coming up next year that's gonna be re- required in restaurants, right. so we will know what we're getting. But that requirement won't be really put into place till next year, but you all probably noticed that you're seeing some of that now at mm-hmm. some restaurants.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and what what is a standard uh, caloric intake. I mean, is there is it based on uh, how much somebody weighs now, or is there just based on age?
3: You know, whenever we calculate that, it's based on age, height, and current body weight. Mm-hmm. Typically, you know, um, most folks, uh, depending on their activity, you know, that definitely will change things. But typically, between fifteen and two thousand calories is a standard caloric intake for the average person. Um, but
4: that that can vary. Yeah, Michelle, is that something that you work with people on, too? It seems like a lot of people, when they start an exercise routine, then mm-hmm. they don't understand how much to eat them before and after.
6: Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, though, because um, I actually teach in a program at Indiana University in the School of Public Health. We have uh, a degree that students can get as a health and fitness specialist. And what we try to be very careful about doing is making sure we all know where the lines are in terms of our fields. And so we really do work with our students, uh, and I do in my own practice, to be sure that if I'm going to talk to people at all about their quote-unquote nutrition, um, I make sure that I stay with what's on the RDA page. We just got to be so careful because I think we can blur the lines and cross the lines um, with our professionalism. So I'm very careful with making sure they understand it's a piece of that we, it's a piece of the puzzle, it's a very big piece of the puzzle. Um, I'd like to tell you that exercise is the panacea, it's gonna save us all, and unfortunately, it will help us all. Um, but there's a. this is a big, it's a big task to take on trying to change your life. Um, so the movement and you know what we consume and what we expend definitely become um, these two big pieces. But realistically, I'm probably gonna let that stay with the people. Who study it? Who do the research on it? Um, to do the meal planning anyway. Um, so that's kind of how we. That's how, that's how I handle it in my business. So. Mm-hmm.
0: So Allison, can you follow up on that? Because I I think Michelle <coughs> mentioned you know it's a lifestyle. A lot of these are lifestyle changes. I mean, if somebody's been not very active for a long time, eating exactly what they want to eat, then it becomes sort of a change of lifestyle. I mean, how how do you suggest to someone? Again, to to make these kind of changes.
7: Yeah. So first, you know, they have to want to. Right? <laughs> so I think that's something too in our field. Um, we can't do it for our clients or whoever is asking uh, us for advice or, you know, they have to want to make those changes. And and we can help set goals and we can help um, to support them and to cheer them on. Um, But uh, ultimately, uh, the individual has to be the one who carries out the plan and the process. And it is a huge undertaking to make any sort of lifestyle change or behavior change. You don't want to make it, you know, it's so easy to do. Uh, there are steps to take and there are people here to help um, people make these changes, but um, it's definitely an undertaking, goal setting and and uh, finding motivation, whatever that motivation is for you. You have to dig down deep and figure out what that is um, and let that carry
5: you through.
4: Mm-hmm. At the Y, your folks help with the whole spectrum, right? In terms of the healthy living and just the whole picture?
5: Yes know. and no, but you know we used to have a dietitian on staff and then and then a nutritionist and um, and then more dietitians and so on and so forth so it's um the the one thing you know that we found that is that you know initially everybody wants to talk to them and everything and then it just then no one wants to even if we're handing out free nutrition nutritionist food and doing kind of a presentation and everything so it's hot for a little while and then nothing. So it's hard to <laughs> really sustain, you know, someone in that position to carry sure. it on. So we, re- we just refer out to, you know, a lot of times to IU Health.
0: So. I wanna follow up on that, but we do have a question I wanna ask from, uh, a question came in from Mike, who has bad knees. Can somebody suggest a couple of low impact exercises that he could do that would be helpful, Michelle?
6: Well, um, I'm going to – I'll try not to talk too much around this, mic. but um, the, ki- the kicker is this. Bad knees usually happen for a reason. It may not even be your knees, and that's where this gets tricky in trying to give you a, a formalized, quality answer. Um, if you were – literally, if you were trying to see me or hopefully anybody who works with people like this, the first few questions we would find out is why the knees are hurting – And what else is going on with your system, with your body? Um, I would think that you need to keep the muscles that are around the knees very strong. You need to maintain range of motion. Um, And the reality is you've got to stay moving because as soon as we stop, that's when everything else begins to start hurting just like the knees do. So if it's not it, just the knees, it'll, it could turn into the hips or the ankles. So range of motion, staying strong. And that means you've got to get muscle to contract, you've got to use it. Um, but you also have to respect the fact that pain is pain. Um, and making sure that if it gets to be too much, that you're seeing the right people, um, whether that's a physician or a therapist. So.
4: Can I follow up on knees really yes. quick? Uh-huh. As I, I run a lot, and so I think that's one thing that runners get so sick of hearing is that you're gonna blow out your knees. So how do you two help folks so that running doesn't kill their knees when they're you know, 50, 60, 70, so that they're still able to keep running?
5: Well, Michelle said it, you know, it's, it's keeping all the muscles that surround the knees um, and hips and core and everything strong and flexible. So, keeping that range of motion, um, and it starts from the feet up, um, you know, having good um, footwear um, to getting that, again, that core stronger. So, and actually kind of moving from the core. Um, and you're probably going to ask, what's the core? <laughs> um, and I just kind of describe it, and you guys can fill in from here um, or, you know, tell me I'm wrong. But um, I just think about taking a barrel and cutting the, the bottom out and putting around your midsection. Um, so it includes muscles in the back, in the front, on the side, um, and then the intricate muscles that surround the spinal column are imperative. Um, and it's hard to think about strengthening those even before the outside, before the six pack or 12 pack or whatever. So <laughs>
0: right. one one more word about the knees from my experience too. After, you know, years of knee pain, and you know, I used to be a runner for a long time too, but after years of knee pain I was diagnosed with having no cartilage in my hip, which was causing referred pain to my mm-hmm. knee, and so I have an artificial mm-hmm. hip. So mm-hmm. there you go. It might not be your knee at all, it might be mm-hmm. your hip. So, all right, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about health and wellness. If you have questions, give us a call after the break at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You're listening to Noon Edition.
1: This is Noon Edition on WFIU.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire, and we have four guests with us today talking about health and fitness and wellness and nutrition. Allison Miller from the Active Living Coalition in the City of Bloomington. Robin Parker, Community Health Clinical Manager of IU Health Bloomington. Michelle Miller, Professor at the IU School of Public Health and Margie Cobo, Healthy Hearts and Active Lives Program Director at the Monroe County and YMCA. You can join us at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. And I would encourage you to give us a call because we have four great minds in here talking about these issues, and they can, they can help get you excited and um, inspired to get out there and do some work. So I want to talk about you know we the the fitness industry has sort of bloomed in the last. It's exploded really in the last I don't know decade or so, and you see all sorts of uh, different programs. And I, I don't want to be critical of any program at all, but I can I can go back before that ten year period and say that there were a few. Uh, Diet businesses where they would do the before and after in the mm-hmm. newspaper, and I can remember, you know, local people that that I knew who were way overweight, and you would see their their old picture, then you'd see their new picture after they'd been on this particular program, and then I'd see them six months later, and they would be bigger than they ever were before. Can you sort of talk about, and, and I guess I want to ask Robin to talk about you know, the, the idea of you know, launching into a new diet that's got sort of guaranteed results for you and how that can go horribly wrong.
3: Well, my take on any time you're going to try to change your eating to lose weight, just remember you can't separate the means from the end. So whatever means you choose to, to meet that goal of weight loss is probably gonna be, be a means you're gonna to have to live with for the rest of your life to some extent. So if it's so extreme that you're not gonna be able to maintain that, chances are you're not gonna be successful in keeping that weight loss. Mm -hmm. So taking a look at that and um, really making a good evaluation. And then Mm -hmm. if you think you can do it, well, realistically, is that gonna sustain health? So any sort of restricted diet that takes out whole food groups, you're probably gonna be missing some important nutrients if you don't eat a whole food group. So take a good look at that. you know when when folks are looking to try to lose weight i want to find out from them what they want to do first and then guide them Um, most of us are looking for a quick answer and we want it done fast but really good sustainable weight loss happens at about one to two pounds per week average weight loss and then you're more likely to keep that off so Mm -hmm. there's no quick fix here and that's what most people want and with all the shows we're seeing on tv and people are doing these extreme weight loss um, chances are that weight gain's gonna come back. And we know once you lose that weight, that's when physical activity really becomes integral in maintaining that weight loss. You've gotta bump that up.
1: Okay.
4: That seems like the same The same message could be applied to exercise, too, in terms of sustaining it, but is when do you get to a level sort of of maintenance, where, or do you, where you don't have to maybe work as hard, or, or does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
6: I, this is michelle I, I think that and i think it can change and i, I think probably what you, you hopefully are hearing is a recurring theme that um there is no textbook that's going to give you the answer um this is very personal um there has to be personal accountability you have to own this um, so you can't step into this lightly it's really not a wake up and oh well i'm going to lose 10 pounds this week uh, if we enter into it like that, we are really, truly setting us up ourselves up for failure, and sometimes that's what happens. Um, we could get bad advice, um, we could read bad advice, and that's the other problem with the internet right now. Um, we have as much as it can do us good, it can also do us quite a bit of harm, because we try to fix our lives sometimes with what's on a screen and then, um, and then not necessarily be able to follow that or follow some really bad advice. Um, there's a lot of programming out there. We've got to think about that. What is the best program? And so, again, the recurring theme to me is find someone that can give you some advice um, and then plan. And then plan for the fact that you can set back. Um, You know, we're human beings, so we're infallible. Um, And we've got to be – or we're not infallible, so we've got to be very careful – With setting ourselves up for failure from the get go by this plan. So, um, you know, take it easy on yourself. Encourage yourself. Learn to motivate yourself just by a simple, I can do this. I can do this. And, um, you know, I'm not, believe me, I I know that's not easy, um, but um, it is feasible and there are a lot of people out there that can help. Mm
4: -hmm. I'm sure we've all heard about folks who are doing really well on a plan and then they plateau. Why does that happen, and how do you get past that? Can you speak to that
6: well there's um you know physiologically our systems are going to try to meet a demand, so we apply a demand to our system um, in fact, we call it the said principle specific adaptations to impose demands um so it depends on how we impose that demand on the body, but what we also know is that somebody who enters into trying to get let's say fitter or become uh, better at what they do if they already have attained or achieved a certain level of exercise and fitness it will i we can tell you that it is harder for them to make changes than somebody who begins from a from a very low baseline um, do we have ceilings can we reach our potential and is it in, you know i think you've got to go back to training programs you have to go back to your genetics and your genes so there's lots of different variables to try to answer a question like that which again is why it's probably important that if you've got those kinds of questions to go seek out some professional advice so you're making good decisions because that's again that's another recurring theme making healthy good decisions about what mm-hmm. you're doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to also sort of take us back to you know the idea that it yeah it may be hard it may seem hard but really it's not too hard to get started if you have the if you Sort of minimize your goals. I mean, if you that's, i don't know if that's the right word, way to put it—but if you set, you know, a goal for the first week, and then you add on and add on and add on. So, um, again, I guess I want would like for all of you to talk to those people out there, and you know, some, sometimes I need this boot too, where, <laughs> where it's like, okay, I've done it before, but man, I don't know if I want to get started again. It's easier just to sit on my couch tonight than get up and do something. I mean, how, you know, getting people started, and I know we've already talked about this a little bit, but, you know, getting people started, what's the most important thing? And Allison, uh, we'll
7: start with you. Okay. Uh, so I just think about all the awesome outdoor opportunities we have here specifically in Bloomington, all the trails and parks. And, you know, we have canoeing on Griffey Lake. We have stand-up paddleboarding on Griffey Lake. And um, there are so many different ways to be active outside. You know, of course, uh, finding something you enjoy, finding something that would be like playing with your friends when you're a kid, um, you know, it shouldn't feel like, uh, begrudgingly work. And I think that is something I'm hearing too. You know, you have to enjoy it. You have to want to do it. You have to um, have fun while doing it to some extent, or else, you know, you're, you're not going to want to do it again. Why would you? Um, so finding whatever that is and, um, and doing it. And uh, yeah, there's just so many opportunities for outdoor mm-hmm. um, and indoor opportunities too in Bloomington, but you have to find something you enjoy um, and make it play. Uh, and that's Bloomington is a playful city uh, from Kaboom. So, you know, it's something that we should all incorporate into whatever we do at work or school or um, in our work sites and um, have fun doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead.
7: All right. This is Robin. And
3: one of the things that to tie in with that, um, when we're working with folks, we talk about the healthy living cycle. So part of that healthy living cycle versus the diet binge cycle or whatever whatever you wanna call that, the healthy living cycle is we just find something, just one thing, whether it be a physical activity and that might be going outside to walk the dog, it might be deciding they're gonna eat one fruit today, but something we know that they can set up to win and then they're gonna feel good about themselves and then that's Mm -hmm. gonna lead into another healthy choice. So we do a lot of education around just the healthy living cycle promoting each step of the way and and they might seem like small changes but they're more
7: lifelong mm-hmm. changes yeah yeah you want that lifelong mm-hmm. yeah is that's we focus so much on the short term mm-hmm. i think that's also where right. we get caught up and mm-hmm. yeah
0: well i know some things can be done uh even i've when I've been to the hospital, you know, walking in the ground floor and there are signs that say if you take the elevator, you're going to burn, you know, six calories. Yeah. And if you take the stairs, you're going to burn 200 or whatever. So it might be something so simple as taking the stairs instead of an elevator, mm-hmm. parking in the back of your your parking lot at your workplace and walking farther than taking the first yeah. Bro,
3: I, mean. I I burnt a few extra calories because I couldn't find the building today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: right. yeah. I got yeah.
7: some steps in.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Try to walk as much as you can. Yeah, yeah.
7: squeeze it in. Walking meetings <laughs> are uh, becoming a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Than Walking than meetings? Walking then meetings, talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Talk and walk, yeah. yeah. So if you have a meeting with someone, if it's feasible to walk at the same time, um, then doing that instead of sitting for an hour or two and having the same conversation that you would have had while you were being active. Um, yeah, this
4: raises something that's been on my mind a lot, or the Fitbits, and yeah. we've heard that you know they they they're not the most accurate. Yeah, I see, I see a few of them here. Um, what are they good for then if they're not necessarily accurate counters?
5: I think accountability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's huge. I mean, if you don't have social support, if you d- don't belong to a group, if you don't belong to, or if you don't have a huge family or have that family support um you know you can go out by yourself and if you haven't reached 10,000 steps for that day you know walk until you reach 10,000 steps and 10,000 steps is the minimum that most folks are supposed to get yes <laughs> for, the, for the most part but um in most of them you know they set a step count so once you get you know let's say your initial count is 3,000 steps and then they'll it'll set a new goal for you so you know, it, it just keeps on increasing, and hopefully get to ten thousand steps. But I mean, ten thousand steps is a guideline. It's you know, the words out there. You know, get at least ten thousand steps. But some people, you know, I know. Well, I didn't get. I I had nine thousand five hundred steps at ten o'clock, so they went out and walked their dog again. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, but a, a lot of it's just accountability, and you know, what's going to make you accountable, and finding that source out there, whether it's, you know, you ran two miles this morning and posted it on Facebook or whatever. So
0: not everything works for everybody. Right. right. I mean, everybody's got to find their own way. I mean, those a Fitbit um, kind of works for me um, because I want to I like to look at my statistics and check them. And so I think that could work for me. You know, I had the My Fitness Pal app on my phone, and that really worked for me at one point, And then you know, some other things happen, but now, you know, if I get back to that, I know that would work for me. But you know, my wife is like, ah, those things don't work for me. I'm not going to try them. I'm not going to do it. So. You just have to find what's what's right. Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm, yep.
0: um, okay, our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We're talking about fitness and wellness and, and nutrition today. And, you know, we've got people here who can talk to those of you who are you know, already running 10Ks and wanna go further, and we can talk to people who just want to get started. So give us a call if you have any questions at all.
4: And we were talking a little bit earlier about just fad diet trends, but I don't I don't know if it falls in the category of fad diets, but folks who do things like go gluten-free, I feel like that's been one that's been happening mm-hmm. a lot lately um robin can you can you speak to that or is that sort of the same idea you're cutting out a food group and maybe you shouldn't be or well again that would be dependent upon
3: why they're going gluten-free there are certainly people out there that are diagnosed celiac sprue they need to do that there are some folks that um, feel better whenever they don't have gluten in their diet and so what we try to do with those folks is try to make sure that they're getting a well-balanced diet Anyway, you know, and there there are lots of opportunities. Back in the day when I first started as a dietitian in the 1980s, to find any uh, anything gluten free was was terrible. If I got a referral for a gluten free diet, I would just cringe. So <laughs> thank goodness there are more options now. Um, from a, a medical standpoint, I would want to see you know why they're cutting out those foods rather than you know excuse me we have to respect if they feel better it's the person directing their own care but my job would be to analyze what they're doing and make sure they're getting what they need but there are there's always going to be some sort of trend going on and there are days I'll come to work and somebody will call me and ask me a question I think I must have missed a day in class (laughs) because it seems like something's new every day in nutrition and um, it's it's hard to keep up with it and the thing about food is we're all experts we all eat So everybody's got a story to tell and a testimony to tell about their favorite food and and the goodness that it has, or maybe what didn't work for them, so they recommend other people not eat a food too, so, yeah.
4: yeah. A question we got earlier, and it ties in maybe to what you were saying earlier about sugar too, but folks wondering what type of artificial sweeteners are the best?
3: Okay, we get that question quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So, what my recommendation is to get a variety. You know, artificial um, sweeteners are, you know, are a friend to somebody who has diabetes. It's a, it's a way that they can get some flavor and, and broaden things. And if you look at the research, it takes, I mean, to even be considered at a level that's not recommended, it, it's an unrealistic amount that you would need to consume. Um, if you have some concerns about it, my recommendation is to get a variety. Don't just use one all the time in everything. Um, mix it up a little bit. Use some different types of arti- artificial sweeteners throughout your day, and that way you're not over-consuming any one of those.
4: I've read a lot about stevia, and mm-hmm. I've had some dropped off at my house, even saying <laughs> this is what I need to use. Is that is that that's a natural? One, it right? is.
3: It is. So again, it's really a matter of preference. Um, you know. I, I don't suggest not using any one in particular. Um, so again, it's just really a balance.
0: All right, we've had a uh, listener who called in, didn't want to be on the air, but she says she can only walk around her house, but makes it fun by listening to audio content like Noon Editions. So oh. thank you very much oh, awesome. for that. <laughs> thank you for that. But that <laughs> does bring up a, a question. I think I'm gonna ask uh, Margie and Michelle first from you know your standpoint on the fitness side of things. I mean, are, are there, Margie, what motivates you when you're out working out? What's a motivator that you use sometimes? Do you listen to music?
5: I don't listen to music very often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm probably signing up for an event to do. Mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. And, and doing a plan that I know is going to get me to the start line. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, gathering my friends and and everything and everybody to support me Mm
0: -hmm. okay michelle
6: well i have worked with people one-on-one in private situations now for about 15 16 years and so when i do that i get people a lot of people who i see can't move well they hurt they've had replacement or they're facing replacement of some type of joint they may have a disease process or a medical concern and so, when you see that up front, a lot of days of the year, you it makes you step back and say, you know, how do I want to do this? And you guys were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, what 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 does motivate us to what, what's going to get us going? I think the way I would answer that, and hopefully answer this question, is we get one chance at this, and we need to use it. We need to make those decisions good and and use it well. Because if you think about, if someone said to you today, what's the best investment? Where, where, where can I drop my money to get the best best bang for my buck? And my answer would be your health because your health is going to let you do what you want to do in the future. So close your eyes and ask yourself where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to feel like? What do you want to look like? What do you want to be able to do with family, with loved ones, with your job, with whatever it is that makes sense to you? How do you, wanna, how you want that to look? So for me, it's, you know, I, I want to continue. I want to finish up my work strong at wherever I'm at. I want to know that I can go into retirement with a productive life and I can still do all those things that I have plans to do. And to do that, we have to take care of what we have because, like I said, we get we get one chance at this. So. Okay.
0: And you've got seven more minutes to take take uh, the opportunity <laughs> to ask your question, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, one 285 9348 or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition.
4: I think one thing we haven't really talked about is, I feel like Indiana doesn't do well in terms of low-income areas, in terms of having places that people can go to be physically active, or how do they afford it? and. I'm wondering if you if you all have thoughts. Maybe Robin will start with you in terms of what we can do, in particular, to reach to reach those folks. And I know they also suffer from not having as much access to high quality, nutritious foods, like the food deserts. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
3: So, um, you know, I think with you know we start with children, and um, the school lunch and breakfast programs have gotten involved with trying to promote. You know, we've got these rules in place for a healthier breakfast and lunch. And um, snacks. So, and we have we have several communities then that are working on their own to provide weekend meals and summer meals for the for the children as well. Because you know we've got the hunger issue, as well as you know trying to be fit and healthy issue. So we're trying to combine both of those together. Um, It is it's a community effort. Um, Working with the extension agencies in your county, working with your cities, and um, other. Churches, anything within your community reaching out to help folks. There are programs in place at, at food pantries. Um, in in some states, they're doing um, food stamp nutrition education programs that are required. So um, I, I think there are things going in that direction, and we'll just keep reaching out and working with with folks. You know, it's definitely an area that needs help. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. This is. Part of what I think Achieve and the Active Living Coalition have looked at these issues too, Mm -hmm. right, Allison?
7: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, even within the City of Bloomington Parks and Recreation Department and our master plan um, is to position the department activities, programs, and partnerships to positively impact community health. So that means the whole community. It also means all of us working together. Um, and I think that's something that the Bloomington community does so well. I mean, we all work really well to, um, to try to help all the areas in our community and and to reach out. And, um, you know, we just recently conducted a community health needs assessment, just finished up um, last year. And the results were released a few weeks ago. And, you know, there are representatives from all around the community and even just concerned individuals who want to help with community health can be a part of that, um, and you know, setting goals to address those needs as we move forward. Um, so, from that perspective, that's the the community involvement of community health and how we're addressing those needs. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, Robin, the idea. Of, I want to go back to some food issues. You know, we talk about superfoods. Mm-hmm. We also it seems like every year. Again, you were talking about how every year there's something mm-hmm. new. I mean, what, what's, what's sort of the latest thing that you've read or heard about uh, a particular kind of food that people should be eating more of? Kale has seemed to be uh, <laughs> yeah. huge lately.
3: Kale is huge. Um, uh, you know, it, it, de- it really does depend. I think it just kind of comes in waves. Probiotics, mm-hmm. um, plant-based foods, those are our big talk. Um, in, you know, in our area, we... We have a lot of diversity, so we have some good different foods available to try. Um, but um, I'm trying to think of anything that's been off the wall that I have heard well, recently.
0: You're mentioning probiotics. I know mm-hmm. in our In Stride magazine, we have a story next month about gut bacteria, which mm-hmm. seems to be getting a lot of play. What, what is that?
3: Um, you want good bacteria in your gut for all kinds of reasons. So it can even help decrease um, s- some folks that are prone to kidney stones to have um, some good bacteria in there. So you want a prebiotic to feed the probiotic. So it's sort of a partnering effect. But um, There is goodness to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can get some nice probiotic in simply drinking some kefir. If you've not done that, that's a great way to get some probiotic into your diet, and I think it tastes pretty good. Mm -hmm. So yogurts, some things like that, some
4: natural food sources of probiotics. We've talked a lot about weight loss and exercising for that reason, but what about strength training and the importance of mixing that in? how um, how can you do that if you don't necessarily want to look like you're gaining muscle? I feel like that's some, a reason a lot of folks and don't I, want can to.
0: Can I throw that. in uh, stretching and you know flexibility? Yeah. So weight training and flexibility.
6: Michelle, <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at each other. We
0: have about three minutes to go. Okay.
6: To um, so I think... The beauty, the beauty of this is, as much as, and I'm sitting right next to the director of the YMCA. Right, this gigantic, <laughs> big building, and now there's two of them. But I have to tell you, folks, the reality is, your gym, you're carrying it around. Use your body. Um, uh, there's so many body weight exercises now. That are so it can be just foundational and fundamental for your movement. So, you know, if you learn to use that and use that well, and and there is some science to that and there is some technique but um, in your own home you can you need a stairwell you need soup cans you need (laughs) milk jugs you need something that can cause a stress to the muscles to help you gain strength Um, and kind of like the food in terms of how you might change your diet eat more eat less you're not going to make uh, large changes overnight anyway Um, i'm not real sure it would take quite a bit of time in a gym with a lot of volume and a lot of weight to make a huge change in a body, even with a female. So we have to be, you know, I think sometimes there's um, misconceptions about out there about what, what strength training is going to do, and yet it is so critical to having you be able to get through your life and through your day well because if you move more efficiently, uh, you have more energy to move uh, in the long run. So a strong body being flexible, range of motion in their joints, uh, and strong muscles is imperative to that. So um, even if you think you don't want to do it, uh, I'm here to tell you you probably should do it. So, <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> Margie, 30 seconds just to wrap us up.
5: I am in complete agreement. Um, we can take all the machines and dig a big hole and put them in there and be just as efficient using our body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and creating it, it's all in creating an overload and recovering from that.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so just move.
0: Okay. All right. I want to thank our guests today: Allison Miller, Robin Parker, Michelle Miller, and Margie Kobo. For producer Sophia Salaby, engineers Mike Pash, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Sarah Whitmire. I'm Bob Zalzberg. Thanks for
6: listening.